Mango Mustache Media. Shoulder is in there. Yeah, we good. Yeah, right, that, that's that's much better. Hey, Thanks, guys. Shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. <laughs> Start listening to YouTube stuff on kids. Hey, <laughs> you know that's all you're listening to, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Oh, you got to throw on some Gracie's Corner. Wheels on the bus. Have you heard Gracie's Corner? No, I haven't. Um, Fire. I've been see- so I've been seeing all the uh, like the newest kid stuff that's been coming out that's been tailored towards us. Uh huh. And dog, uh, like. I would legitimately bump that in my car. Yeah, some yeah, of that yeah. stuff is be really dope. And that's then, what like, I'm saying. It's, uh, and then like Jasmine will be listening to it. I'm just like, hey, that's a bop. <laughs> hey, Gracie's Corner goes crazy. You got like the 808 and stuff in it. It just be booming in the... Yes. All right, yeah. Anytime we hop in the truck. Ooh. Yeah, Briley loves hey, who's on the bus. let's go for a ride on the bus. It starts off, you know, just super innocent. They over here just oh, on I can the hear, bus. I can already hear the beat by just, the drop. Just chilling. You got grandma. Hold on. Why is that little baby not in a car seat? First off, that's what we're <laughs> I mean, it's on a bus, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. Oh. Hey. So, Brian be in the back seat. She'd be like, round and round up. <laughs> Started just vibing. <laughs> yeah. But this this is the part that gets it right here. The wheels go what? Hey. Hey! Yes, that is Gracie's Corner. I am um, Gracie's Corner's vibe. Yeah, no kidding. I'm at it because I'm pretty sure this just came out. But my daughter's like nine now, uh-huh. <laughs> but so I don't think she would listen to it. But now yeah. I kind of like it's more uh, it's more enjoyable uh, to listen to in the car. You know, you got some of those like Coco Melon just make you want to fall asleep or just oh man, Coco Melon pull your so hair out. Yeah. to Creative Wild Black, where we focus on the expertise of what my guest creator does while taking away the stigma of what being a black creator is. I'm your host, Devin Green, and today my guest is Anthony Feathers Jr. He is the Community Engagement Manager at Nuboco, where they accelerate world-changing ideas from, uh, from Iowa, actually. And he's a father, a graduate of Baylor University, and on, on the board of directors of a numerous, a whole bunch of different um, businesses. So I'm excited to have him on the show and hear his perspective on what it's like to be a creative community connector while black. And Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you, Devin. Thanks for inviting me. You yeah, no problem. So before we start the interview, uh, I want to—I have to ask because I ask all my guests this. What hood you from? What hood you from? Hey, <laughs> hey! Shout out to Waco, Texas. I'm born and raised. Uh, was born and raised in Waco, Texas. That's the city of the two five four area code. Also, the city of the RG three uh, Heisman Trophy winner at the Baylor University. Hey, uh, so that's where I'm from. Shout out to Anthony Senior. Sharon Betters, Antoine Betters, and the whole family squad out there. Nice, dude. Um, and so, yeah, Waco, Texas. That's me. That's legit. Um, if you don't know where Waco, Texas is, can you give them like an idea? For sure. Uh, it's kind of like Cedar Rapids. I don't better really know about it. Um, but if you know, I just give some fun facts about okay. Waco. And so, this one my dad always told me. So he's like, whenever you move to Iowa. You're going to tell people you're from Waco, Texas, and they're going to say, oh, that's where the Branch Davidian is from. David Koresh, I don't know if you know about that. Oh, yeah, I do know about that. Mm-hmm, the whole massacre out there. 
They have it on Netflix. It's actually called Waco. Oh. Which is crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so if you type in a Netflix Waco, you'll it'll talk about, you know, David Koresh and the whole massacre that happened out there. But crazy story, it did not even happen in Waco, Texas. It happened in Elmont, Texas, a little bit outside, but people, you know, let's yeah. say if it happened in a small town around Cedar Rapids, they would probably say in Cedar Rapids just because more people know about it. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, and so that happened there. And then let's say, um, what else bad happened there? I don't remember. But Chip and Joanna, mm-hmm. gangs, I don't even know if you know who that is. I don't, but the name sounds familiar. Continue yep. So though. they are on HGTV. They're in all your targets. Ooh. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. If okay. you walk into Target and you see like the rustic home decor and stuff like that. That's where they are. Oh, okay. Oh, dude, I probably have some of that stuff in my house because, you know, my wife goes to Target all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, and then where was Dr. Pepper invented? Oh. You know, I just – there is an episode also on Mango Mustache Media that talks about how Dr. Pepper uh, kind of like is one of the first places, the first thing in there. And it had the year. I think it's like 1862. In 1862, I, I mean, I'm just going to base off what you just said okay. there. You guys, oh my gosh, this is crazy right now, okay? I'm on the podcast that just went over. It's 1885. <laughs> 18, uh, uh, 18, yeah. Oh, okay. My 1885. Bad. I should know these facts. <laughs> okay. Reason I come back full circle to say is that that was invented in Waco, Texas. Oh, dude. Nice, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have our own uh, Dr. Pepper Museum. My dad is actually the first African American board president to be on Dr. Pepper Museum. That is legit. At Dr. Pepper Museum, yeah. That uh, makes he currently me... is right. Sorry, you I'm sorry. What? I didn't mean. I no, remember. you say he what? currently is there. Yeah. I, I when when googling you, I found him and I was like, oh, that's definitely his dad. Yeah. <laughs> Pops, all six five of him pop up. <laughs> <laughs> six five. <laughs> Yeah, Anthony Betters Jr. or senior, I mean, uh, yeah. pops up. I'm like, uh, he's got that same smile. He looks, yeah, he, <laughs> it was definitely your dad. So this is Shining Dark, and uh, I know some people down in Waco, Texas, myself. And the only reason why I know him is because they kind of like make a, a disruption in the music industry. Hmm. Um, his name is Peyton Bryce. Have you heard of him? Peyton Bryce, no. Um, he's been doing some stuff down there to kind of like accelerate the music community. He always tries to host events and all the other stuff and stuff like that. Okay, but like given like Waco is one of those cities, kind of like Cedar Rapids, um, it isn't go- it doesn't go in as much as fast as I- he as he would like it to. But he definitely making names and stuff like that. It's oh, interesting. Legit. Um, you can find him on Facebook at Peyton. Uh, uh, Peyton Bryce is his name. Okay, but uh, yeah, he's pretty legit, and he got his own music too. Actually, yeah, he 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 he. Fire. Nice. My brother may know of him. My brother isn't uh, to music. He does like the whole mix, mixing and mastering Ooh. of music. And so that's his, that's his passion. So he may know the guy. Okay. But yeah, he's really, he's really dope. All right. So you starred in the 2017 production of Jackie and Me at Waco Civic Theater, Inc. as Jackie Robinson, right? Yes. So, did someone make you do that, or did you just like want to pursue an acting career? Give me the story behind that. Hey, first off, I love how y'all are diving deep into my, <laughs> my life. <laughs> I'm so interested in what these next questions are going to be. I promise you, they ain't going to be like that. Oh, man. No. Um, but yes, so that was my first like actual play that I've done uh, outside of, you know, being in elementary school when I played, um, what was that, Squidward, 
Oh, yeah. Really? My, uh, what? That is awesome. Squidward. Did you do the voice? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it now. I ain't going to try it now. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if my voice would go there. Oh, um, but I, I, I think I did. Um, but I remember my aunt, she had had like a bowl. Um, and then she had put like Squidward's nose over it, you know, like kind of oh, makeshift dude. that. And okay. I had that on my head while I was, we were playing SpongeBob. And then I was a turkey um, on the news when I was maybe in kindergarten. Um, but outside of that, that's like the only like acting I've done. Anthony, can you, uh, can you turn to the, to the right a little bit there and give us a oh, comparison? Bro. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. We can, uh, we could definitely it's say just, that's, that's a, that's it a, it yeah. looks just like him. Smothering. Yeah. Handsome Squidward. <laughs> Handsome Squidward is always great. <laughs> I wish I had those cheekbones, man. Those are fire, Squidward. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, um, of course, doing Jackie and me, um, a buddy of mine actually named Tyler Christensen, Waco, mm -hmm. Texas. Uh, we played baseball together growing up, and he's super into acting. And they were looking for a black actor, you know what I mean, that um, knew somewhat about baseball. Okay. And so he hit me up. And he was like, hey, Anthony, like, you should definitely try out for this. And I was like, bro, no. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to act on stage, you know. I got to remember these lines. Yeah. And, uh, at the time, like, I was kind of nervous speaking in front of people. Um, and it was just very nerve-wracking. Um, but then he was like, bro, like, there's a lot of people, like, going for it. You should at least just go forward to say you tried, man. Like, I really want you to do it. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Okay, cool. Um, went to the director's house, like went over the, the lines and all that stuff. Um, and she was like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, you got the role. Oh, bro. What? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? She was like, yeah, you were the only one that actually... <laughs> <laughs> that actually went for it uh, oh and gosh. actually came by. And I was like, Tyler, you freaking. Oh, he, he arranged that. He arranged yeah, that big but, time. <laughs> but honestly, I appreciate him for, for doing that because it was, um, I mean, because Jackie Robinson, because I'm a big baseball fan, grew up playing a lot of baseball, and he was actually like one of my idols outside of King Griffey Jr. Oh, dude, nice. Um, and so being able to, you know, symbolically wear the number 42 on my back while I'm actually in the play and actually have to dive in deep um, to his role. I actually like shaved my face so I could be able to get more in depth into the role of Jackie Robinson. That's how serious I took took it. Um, and I was like, if I'm doing this, man, I might, I might as well. well yeah. Might as well go I mean, full at it. Hair, you just, grow back you just start right. playing baseball with only white people. That's it. To surround yourself. To and be. then to let them know about the history, you know, I mean, because I, I do play softball um, twice a week, so every Tuesday oh, and nice. Wednesday, and so that keeps me in the competitive nature of things. Um, but but yeah, and so I got a little bit coerced into doing it. Um, but I appreciate shout out to Tyler. I appreciate you, bro, for being able to uh, get me into the play. But also, I feel like it broke a little bit of my um, public speaking and uh, my fear that I thought that I would have on stage. Because I'm not gonna lie, like the first two times I did it. I had a suit on. Boy, I was pitting out that joint, man. Like, I was sweaty. But after that, I think we did, like, maybe seven days or five days. Like, I was super comfortable, you know, looking to the crowd, be able to improvise a little bit more. Um, so, yeah. So, it's definitely a good time. Uh, dude, that's awesome. As a guy that kind of, like, struggles with public speaking myself, even starting videos and stuff like this, uh, this guy over here, Alex, I don't know if you guys can see him off camera. Probably can't see him off camera. No, but anyways. They cannot. Uh, <laughs> So basically, he's Lucky the one that got me into doing the video stuff. And 
granted, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I know I need to get in front of people. I know I need to, like, actually be out there so people can see my face and talk mm-hmm. with other people. But also, like, the thought of somebody seeing this later and then just, like, uh, watching it and I'm just like, okay, that's actually me. What do you think? Okay, maybe not. Okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. And they have all the anxiety in the back of your head. But it's, 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 it is nerve-wracking. Right. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not the funnest thing in the world. But uh, we were talking about sports. And speaking about sports, let's talk about your football career. For sure. More specifically, uh, you played cornerback at Baylor University. Was there ever a world where you saw yourself playing like professional football? When I was a kid, right? Um, but what I feel like a lot of people don't realize is that playing D1 at a high level is extremely competitive. Oh, right. Wow, okay. And at some point in time, you have to be real with yourself <laughs> and understand that, hey, bro, you can compete, but like not to the level of where you see these guys going to the NFL and doing like that, right? And so yeah. once I once I got to college, that humbled me real quick. Oh yeah. Um, I can see that. But you know, I was blessed enough to go to a high school, Midway High School, to where oh when um, we had student athletes there, um, and the, some of the <clears throat> some of the kids' parents worked at Baylor. Okay. And so it was more so the coaches. And so some of the coaches would come to the games. And, of course, that was free pub for me, you know, and they were actually playing on the team, right? And so, I mean, my dad always taught me and also my mom is that if you're playing high school, you want to play like you're playing in college. If you're playing in college, you want to play like you're playing in the NFL. So basically the one step up. Right, yeah, because that's what people are looking at and that they want – if you want to be high level, you got to be acting like you're already playing. Like the next bad, level, yeah, right. And so um, I busted my butt all throughout high school. Was blessed enough to get a um, walk on opportunity. I was a preferred walk on. Okay. And so what that means is that you don't have to try out. Is that they they like you. Um, there's an opportunity to get um, a scholarship in the future of being there. You okay. know what I mean? But you still got to work your butt off. Okay. Right. Um, do you. You cool if I go through the whole story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, man. cool. And so being there, um, playing football, I got the, um, of course, you know, watch RG3 come through. Um, even though I got to watch him in high school. Nice, um, were you on his team? I was at Baylor. Nice. What? Yeah. You oh, were at Baylor on, the no, no, same no, no, no. time as RG3. Reel that back. No, I was not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so see how that was. That was my dreams. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I, I was. For one, I think like one, yeah, one year. I'm not even going front of this because I tell the story all the time. Okay, is that I actually caught a pick against him in practice <gasps> in the indoor facility. I don't know nice. why I was because I had to like I was like hold on was I? Uh, but yes, I was. And so <laughs> I always tell the story, but there's no film. Actually, there might be practice film oh, out nice. there somewhere. Dude, there's film of every one of RG3's plays, but yeah, I have from, from Baylor somewhere. Well, I need to go in the archives. I need to get that so I can let people know. There's no way. Uh, so that that I one's mean, probably if he burned. Get it, it's gonna be on this podcast. I'm burned. just saying. <laughs> he was like, "Have any better pick? Nope, take that out." Yeah. yeah. Hey, can I get that that tape, Coach? Like the the only version of that tape. Yeah, yeah we got it. We got to throw that away. But the main reason as to why I got that pick is because I remember there was another walk on. He was telling me, "Hey, if you want to be successful, you know, and being a walk on, try to get a scholarship, you have to know both offense and defense." Okay, right. And so I rem- I remember that uh, he's actually a head coach of a high school right now. 
Um, I remember that, and I was rolling with some of the receivers, you know, understanding the play calls. And so if I'm corner on defense and I see coach here we're doing these symbols, then you know it'd be like, who okay, know that? intercept, yep. intercept, basically. And so what they're supposed to do is like, let's say if they're running a nine route, which is like a fade route, just a straight route, okay. right? And if I were to run with them, they're supposed to actually stop, you know, in front of me, turn around and get the ball, and that's where the quarterback's supposed to throw the ball, right? Okay. Um, but in this particular play, the uh, receiver was supposed to be running a full fade route. No, actually, I think he might have supposed to be running just a 10-yard stop. And then if I'm sitting on that 10-yard stop, he's supposed to run a fade route, throw the ball with my head, touchdown, right? Okay. And so at this time, I knew they were running a 10-yard stop. Oh, okay. Um, and so I stayed back a little bit, and I, I, I played it. Stepped back on that uh, that left or right foot, went through, caught the pick. Oh, dang. That ball was so – he threw that ball so damn hard. <laughs> it, <laughs> it hurt my chest. Um, but I'll, I, will never, I will never forget that. Uh, shout out to RG3. He's a great sports broadcaster. I don't know if you've seen, seen him lately. Uh, I haven't lately, but now that kind of makes me want to. Uh, I'm not that much into sports only because, well, like – Football was my team, but I'm from Detroit, and mm-hmm. you all we all know the Lions suck. So, hey, yeah, <laughs> the Cowboys are right around there at times, man. No shade on the Cowboys. Yes, yeah, no shade on the Lions either. They're getting better. They got a good. They got a new good coach, which is pretty legit. They keep the they kept the Packers last year from going to the playoffs, and that's the biggest thing. Oh, damn! And also, they yeah. got that one guy who's like straight out of Naruto. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. I can't remember. I can't remember. He's, he's. I think he's the cornerback at at. Uh, in Detroit, okay, the Lions, and he gets on. He's like, "I'm Kawasaki Naruto," and he does like the whole thing. <laughs> and I've seen that. and oh, like yeah. in his post interviews, he's like calling the guys out for saying Pokemon wrong. But he's like, Pokemon. you know, because the guy said Pokemon. He's like, yeah, Pokemon. That's what my dad said. No, yeah, my dad would say that. But yeah, but excuse me. Go to YouTube. Here's, um, here's our G three for people who forgot. Yeah, there we RG3 go. Is dope. Hey, that was that was his season with the Redskins rookie year. That was his season right there, man. Um, and then, of course, you know, Shane's prone to injury a little bit. Um, but Sh- Shanahan, yeah, Co- my, uh, was it uh, was it Mike Shanahan? I can't remember. One of the coaches played him in the playoffs when he shouldn't have played on a torn ACL. Oh, and then that like solidified the end of his career. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, he won it, but also like speaking of speaking of torn ACLs, um, I guess to go back to talking about football. Yeah, I, I tore my ACL. Oh, um, playing. In well, playing at Baylor, and so yeah, that's when the coaches they had moved me over from corner to they asked me, Hey, do you want to play receiver inside receiver? Okay, and that's what I played the majority of time in high school. And I was like, You know, sure, like I'm doing whatever I yeah. can, like I'm a walk on, like I got so I gotta do whatever I can. But I thought that I would be able to excel a bit more, um, being a receiver, and you don't gotta worry about hitting those big old dudes running at you either, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So- <laughs> Yeah, you catch the ball. You all of a sudden you see some burly dude coming at you. <gasps> yeah, no, yeah. If they're running um, like an option route or something like that, you have those six, seven, almost four hundred pound guys that are running like four fives out here Ooh. right at you, yeah. and you're trying to get to the running back that's behind him. I, I can't swim, move around this. You, you too big, my guy. Yeah, like I mean, I get they have the uh, fast guys for a reason, but also like. You can only be so fast. So uh, you can only be fast some parts of the time. Right. right. I mean, they're gonna get you with some strategy at some point, and mm-hmm. it's just like, ugh. 
Yeah, but it was fun though. I mean, I enjoyed, of course, you know, hitting people, but I enjoyed being more elusive, you know, and running my routes um, and having that technique at receiver. And so first day of spring practice going to my junior year, like we were outside throwing with um, Seth Russell. Okay. Um, I was doing pretty well, you know. Um, I think I had number 88 on my chest. I think that's um, that's a number. Who? Ah, dang, why am I forgetting the cowboy who wore 88? On his back right now. Nah, well, we'll uh, have Alex look uh, it up real quick. Not, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just he's the one that dropped that that, that didn't oh, drop the ball, but he dropped the ball. Shoot, yeah, yeah right? that, that guy. Um, I don't know why I just can't think of his name right now because I'm thinking of uh, Dak Prescott, but I know for first. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts with the D, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Oh my goodness. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Des Bryant, even though I was nowhere near as tall as he was. Um, but yeah, you so, played with Des Bryant? Hmm? You played with Des Bryant? No. So his number, if I'm not mistaken, was 88. Oh, God, yeah, God. his number yeah, was yeah, yeah, you're yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. You are correct. And so, of course, had that on the, the green, on the green jersey. So did well on the outside. Then he went to the indoor facility, uh, ran a post route. So that's basically a 10 yard. Um, you're like you're running to the post, basically. Okay. So did that, sp- jumped up in the air. I felt my leg or my knee hyperextend a little bit as I was going up in the air. Oh, man. Um, then came back down on it. I was like, oh, this is, you know, just a little tweak. Then tried to run on it, fell down. Um, and then, yep, uh, went to the athletic trainer's office and they were like, okay, hey, just let me check it. And they're like, yeah, we think you tore your ACL. And so Ooh. that day I went to get a MRI. Um, and then they said that I had a full ACL tear and a partially torn meniscus. Oh, and so, so yeah, and so that took uh, a little bit turn for the worse than what I thought it was going to be, you know. And I, I was a bit bummed because I, you know, I wanted to play, uh, but I couldn't. So I had to, you know, make yeah. that comeback and get into physical therapy and all that stuff. It's that Derrick Rose injury. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. The bad knees, man. My dad tore his ACL twice, too. Oh, my Damn. God. Twice. Twice. Oh. Yeah. So let's talk about your current profession. What exactly do you do as the community success manager? Yes. Um, so it's community engagement manager. I'm sorry. Community engagement hey, manager. Sorry all, about that. But we all about success around here. So. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> that's A1. <laughs> Um, and so, yep. So my title at New Boco, which in long is the New Bohemian Innovation Collaborative okay. <clears throat> over there in the Geonextric building in the New Bo area. Um, so I was brought on to help out with which what is called our community partnership program. And so there's a lot of cool stuff that New Boco does. Um, I would say our three tiers is entrepreneurship, innovation and education. Okay. Um, so we have a code school, um, a 20 week boot camp that you could be able to uh, take, you know, it's a dope career changer. Delta V, if you don't know what that Delta is. Delta V, yes. Google that, look it up. Um, but yeah, and so you can go into that. You'll be able to leave with a great job, you know, and a good salary. Nice. Um, just because how the world is changing, coding at computers are, are only going to yeah. be here forever. Yeah. Right? And only going to expand. And so it's a good career force to go into. And so some communities outside of Cedar Rapids look at us and say, hey, like, how can we get Delta Code School in our community? Um, Hey, how can you help us out with our entrepreneurs and, you know, 
filling filling in that gap in our ecosystem because we are a little stagnant. So some people look at Nuboco and that economic development space mm-hmm. uh, to come help them out and come um, basically collaborate. And of course, collaboration is in our name. And yeah. so we come collaborate to help make sure that they are online and target with their community, um, but more so try to see, hey, like, what are these questions um, like what is actually missing in your community? And then we will try to figure out what exactly that is. Um, and if we can collaborate, we will. And if it's not the best fit, then we'll just leave it alone. Yeah, and it's all fine. It's all it's all good and dandy. And so that's the side I work on and help out with uh, with Dave Tominski and the team. And then also um, I help out with sponsorships. And so that is we have a sponsorships, grants, and donor side. Of course, we're a nonprofit. Okay. And so we look for uh, businesses um, that, that love our mission and that want to help fund the great things that we're doing at Nuboco. And so so those are the two lanes outside of also uh, got a podcast uh, that I'm on there as well called Iowa Innovation. Oh, lit. And speaking of uh, just stuff that you guys do, um, I noticed that because I was with it too, the Iowa Big Mentorship Program for Kids. Yeah. Uh, what draw? What drew you into that? Like, did somebody just reach out? Did Megan reach out? Or um, I actually no, I know Dan Devore. Oh, okay. Um, so Dan Devore, I believe he's going to be the principal of the new uh, City View High School that's coming into town here. Okay. Um, and I believe. He reached out to me or Megan. I'm not sure. But I love mentoring kids, bro. Like, that's that's my thing. I love kids. Um, I love, of course, the education side and the sports side of things. But I love trying to make sure if you don't have somebody to talk to, especially, you know, that's a little bit older. And also somebody that, you know, that might look like me and they don't have a role model to be able to actually talk to them and help them out in life, Yeah, I would love to be that guy. Granted, do I have all the answers? No. No. You know what I'm saying? But can I be somewhat of an influence uh, in your life and do good things in the community to where you can be like, hey, like I can, I can, I can do what you're doing, or I can be able to um, succeed more because you actually spoke good oh. life into me. Right? Yeah, and I, that's what I loved about that program, too. Um, honestly... I'm not as good as, and this is just me in particular. I'm trying to get better at it, but I'm not as good as like keeping contact with a bunch of people and stuff like that. Yeah. But I love mentoring people. More specifically, I love mentoring people who are just like wanting to get into the graphic design or web design or web development field. It's just one of those things I like to do. So I saw that as an opportunity to just spread knowledge and do all that stuff too. So it was just one of those things that was just extremely fun. For sure. Yeah. No, it was super cool to do that. Um, I actually, so that was a, a young African-American lady that was on, uh, that she wanted me to mentor her, right? Okay. Um, and I actually went to some of her softball games. She actually invited me to her uh, graduation party. Nice. You know? And so just like those little um, small, new, like minute memories um, that I get to be like, oh, man, like I actually made somewhat of an impact, you know? Yeah. And hopefully by me connecting her with somebody here um, at New Boca because she wants to be a lawyer and go to Spelman. Uh, which is an HBCU. Yeah, that is. And so that is that's dope. Yeah, that is dope. That's pretty legit, dude. Yeah. Um, awesome. That is just, yeah, it's man. Just like, it's, that, that's true. That's her, though. And it's just like, it's just mind-blowing because when I was her age, I wasn't thinking anything about <laughs> yeah. college. I mean, I was thinking about college, but I was more so thinking about like playing sports. I wasn't thinking about, you know, having this um, specified career path to go to, uh, go through. And, you know, we're still... I mean, I yeah. was still kind of figuring it out, and I feel like I've somewhat found my lane now. 
Nothing wrong with that. I actually, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. I, I mean, I found the lane. I'm just trying to figure out what the goal is. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But that leads me to the next question. What art, uh, what entrepreneurial, what entrepreneurial activities are you a part of? So let's see. Outside of the job, um, you could say the Lynn County, uh, in Johnson County, Black Professionals. Okay. Um, I know that they love to boost up uh, the Black community here yeah. in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City uh, area. Wait, is that the Black Professionals of Iowa that Tasha Lard? Yep, runs? Tasha Lard. Uh, see, I'm a part Angie of that Jordan. Too. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and Miss Mendoza, I believe, are all, those three ladies. Fire. Yeah. They are uh, doing some good things over there in, you know, the Iowa City community. They have a diversity uh, market going on over there as well. And so they're doing tremendous things in Johnson County and Cedar Rapids area. And I am, um, I'm glad that they have that. And so outside of that, uh, let's see here. I mean, we do like a 1 million cups um, at the, at Nubo City Market, not Nubo City Marketplace, uh, at the, the Olympic Theater. Yeah, Olympic Southside. Yeah, yeah, and so that's every Wednesday. And so those entrepreneurs that are coming um, every Wednesday to kind of talk, just, you know, just network. Yeah. Um, um, but also, I, I had an entrepreneurial journey moving here to Cedar Rapids. Okay. Oh, you got to let me know. Let me, let, let us in on the yeah. secret sauce. So I moved to Cedar Rapids to help start a senior in-home care service. Okay. Um, and so it kind of started off in Waco, Got moved up here to the Cedar Rapids area. So actually, funny story, I had the opportunity to either be in Cedar Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which I had no idea about, okay. or Anchorage, Alaska. Oh. Um, and so that that's a that's a huge yes, distance mark there. Yes, it's huge so distance mark. Anchor, Anchorage, Alaska. I was like, that's a definite no. <laughs> um <laughs> what, no, Mooses? Is that uh, how they're called? Mooses? Cold. Moose. Moose. Uh, <laughs> Meese. Meese. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Those things, you know, um, but also, you know, just the the cold. Even though it's cold here, but then they talk about it being dark for a certain amount of time. I was oh, like, yeah, I forgot about. And that. then I think about my family. I'm like, they will never come and see me as often. You know what I mean? And so I moved to um, Sea Rapids, Iowa, to uh, to start that business, and it was a little bit more normalcy, normalcy, just because Baylor actually plays Iowa State, okay. so I can drive two hours. Go, you know, go down the highway and go watch them play football or then, um, or yeah. basketball or anything like that. And so nice. that 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 also, you know, that is something that I love to do, like on my free time whenever that season's around. Um, but yeah, but I I moved here to start uh, that business. Did that for four years. Um, the pandemic and seniors at that time did not really uh, <laughs> mesh well. You know, yeah, I can imagine, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so um, so yeah, and so we lost a. Um, little bit of business just because they were scared you know the elderly was scared and they didn't want us in their their homes anymore and so oh yeah 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 and so i had to transition a little bit outside of that um just to work well with my work-life balance and i had my my daughter at the time and worked at a couple nursing homes and then that's how i made my because i wanted to get out of healthcare. Um, just personal reasons, want to get out of healthcare and just see what's new for me right um and then i stumbled upon nuboco um, and have been blessed ever since to be a part of that team um, that they have going on there, just doing a lot of good stuff for the community, which is crazy. I say this now because I'm a talker um, and an extrovert, but I also am somewhat helping out the city, and that's what my dad does. <laughs> <laughs> 
You just walking in the footsteps unintentionally. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, yeah, all six five of that man. Um, <laughs> looking up to him, but yeah, and so it's it's quite quite weird, especially like when I talk about mentors. Like, I was blessed enough to grow up with both my parents in the household. Uh, like, have my grandparents just speak life into me, right? And then, of course, you know, we all mess up in life, but it's more so of like, how are you going to be able to bounce back out for that? Yeah, right. And those those voices I heard in my head were my mom and my dad, um, and so. I'm blessed to be able to speak uh, speak like he does. Uh, I know he speaks a little bit better than me, but be able to have that natural. Um, I want to pause you there, by the way. You speak great. Just saying, like you, you you got a whole vibe. So, but continue. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you, dog. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but no, you good, you good. But yeah, with that, and then my mom, like, of course, my dad, he wanted me to excel in sports, right? Yeah. Um, so we've done a lot of sports together. Of course, he focused on education, but my mom was actually a teacher. And so she focused on the education side of things. And so I had that that balance there, right? So, like, yeah, I can see that. That That's amazing, actually. Yeah, but granted, did I excel in academics? Uh, not fully. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, but I did what I had to do. Um, of course, I always wanted to make A's and B's, but I was always like that, you know, like that B teetering on that C student, you know. But we all have that different path of where we want to go and thankfully i graduated high school and graduated from uh, college at baylor university and but had my associates um for the community college mclennan community college in waco texas nice dude yeah like uh as a guy that does not go to college because i don't like school uh i commend you mm -hmm. it's I just what, it. yeah it's no uh it's no easy feat to you know uh go through all of that stuff and then uh constantly have the world against you when it comes to that type of stuff too As black men, we constantly have to go through a lot of stigma when working with the professional world. So uh, whether that's having to work harder than your peers to be considered, you know, uh, an equal or it's just being hired at a company for the sake of diversity. How has being a black man affected your pers uh, your professional stature? For sure. And so, of course, you know, my professional career didn't start until I moved here to Sea Rapids, Iowa. Of course, moving to Iowa versus from being in Texas is not as diverse, yeah. right? Um, I would say, not. I mean, I would say the black community here it was like maybe three percent when I googled it before I moved out here. Oh, really? Right? I don't. Yeah, I, I'm sure it might have grown now, um, but it was a very small percentage of just a diverse population. It might be like six or seven now, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but still, that's very small. Yeah. Um, and then the other side, of course, is um, the white Caucasian side. Um, Four point three. 4.3. Oh, okay. 4.3. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's crazy still, right? Yeah. And so, of course, just coming into this space, but I, I knew that I would be able to excel just because I knew um, what I was taught as a kid in the sense of being able to speak to anyone, you know, um, and be on that level. Um, and when we talk about being on that level, that's where you can get into like code switching. Yeah. Right. And so I didn't really know what that was until I kind of moved out here. Okay. Uh, to help start that in-home care service I was telling you about. And I was going to the, the elderly homes, talking to some of the elderly, um, trying to get them to sign up for our services that we had, talking to their sons and daughters. Um, and I caught myself, you know, trying to articulate myself differently. Yeah. Um, to where I seemed that I was professional enough to be able to, uh, for my services to be here in your mother's home or your dad's home, okay. right? 
And so that was a little bit difficult. I definitely ran across some of the elderly who did not even want African Americans to be oh yeah in their homes. Yeah. Right. And so when you think about like the history here in Iowa, especially from the elderly standpoint, a lot of them probably even grow up with having any person of color in, in their there. schools, especially like these little small towns. Yeah. Right. And so of course some of them had brain injuries. And so I didn't I didn't take offense. Um but of course you don't know, I did take offense to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Just because it was hard. It was more so hard for my caregivers to go into that, you know? Or I had to be like, okay, hey, you know what? I think I might need to put a, um, a white caregiver in this home. I think this might make them feel com- more comfortable, right? Yeah. And so, like, that was hard. Like, morally, yeah. I'm, like, thinking, I'm, like, man, this is this is messed up. Yeah. Um, but I kept my head down. Um, and I tried to get more involved in the community, but being more involved in the community, I was looking to find people that look like me, you know, that I can be able to relate to a little bit more. Uh, I agree with you hundred percent. Like just so people know too, um, since this podcast is pretty much for everybody, if you don't know what code switching is, code switching is essentially so if I like I'm talking right now, I'm kind of like talking in my you know, like you know normal like mid between uh, my my black side and then like my proper English side stuff like that. Um, but code switching is essentially uh, if you ever heard somebody talk in the hood and then they come up and then they go into an interview and then they uh, talk all proper and whatnot. That's basically what it is. If you ever seen like it's basically your interview voice or your phone voice, your, your stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. Uh, back to what you were saying, it's just one of those things where, yeah, you're right. You really did make the right decision when it comes to all that stuff. But yeah, it just sucks to con- kind of like have to make that decision based on like what that person is. But in the, in the end, it's just like one of those things that you you is a win win situation. But it's not a win for that particular person because you know they don't you don't see them in the right eyes because of what they thought. And for stuff sure, like that. But, for sure. But like, it's nothing you can do about it. They're in a care home. You got to make sure you take care of them at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that, that's all That's all that we wanted to do, yeah. you know? Um, we, and I knew coming into it that that might be a thing. Um, but like, when you talk about like, over the phone, like how I speak over the phone, mm-hmm. I walk into certain rooms and like, <laughs> and they've never seen me before and I'm wondering if they thought who I was over the phone is who, you know, yeah. I am walking in to the, uh, to the building. And so, I mean, growing up, like I always articulated well and people would say like, why are you talking white? Yeah. And that, I, I, I get offended gosh, by that. Hate, dude, I hate that saying too. It is the most demeaning statement that you could say to a black person, not trying to be mean, but like that is literally the most demeaning place thing you could probably say to a black person. They're really just trying to blend in. So that way for, for your, uh, convenience more mm-hmm. or less. And then you say they're trying to talk white when we don't really be white. We want to be ourselves. Right. I'm why by me speaking well is me speaking white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Because we have a lot of articulate um African Americans or just more diverse, especially in skin color, of people out here in this world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I mean, we can dive into it from um, like talking about different cultures and how some of our cultures have been taken away from other cultures, you know? And so it's not that it's stemmed, you know, from a certain area. This is just, this is just me. This is how I talk. 
Um, and yes, I feel as though I can be able to uh, to fit in, like or what we talked about, yeah. or code switch in different areas. Yeah. But that's just a knack that some people have. Yeah. Uh, to be able to do that, to be on certain people's levels. Granted, I'm not trying to go into every situation to make everybody feel comfortable, right? Like, yeah. I'm still going to be me. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, but I, I can still understand if you throw out some big word, bro. I, I want to yeah, know I'm, it. Yeah, exactly that. You know what I mean? So It's like uh, emancipation proclamation, something like that. No, no, that's not, that's not a big <laughs> word, but still. <laughs> Boy, mess that one up. Oh, man, bro. Uh, but like, I'm sorry, Juneteenth was on the brain. But anyways, like just throwing out <laughs> big funny. words. Uh-huh. How has being a black man helped your professional stature? For sure. And so I would say from just the beginning of me being a black man and me being able to, you know, move here to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, be executive director of a senior in-home care, senior in-home care service, um, and even being in the space I am now with Nuboco, um, like what we were talking about, mentoring and all that stuff. I, of course, want to keep being more and more progressive with myself uh, for my family. Okay. Um, but also, I don't like to be complacent. You know what I'm saying? And so with that, I want to be able to teach younger kids the same thing that actually might, might look like me. And so I've been blessed enough to be, and I, I don't even know if this is true, but I think I was the first, I don't know, I'm just yeah. throwing this out there, yeah. the yeah. first African-American to run a senior in-home care service in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Really? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Now we got to do the Google. We got to do some searching, but yeah. that's, I tried to search it. I couldn't find it, but it, it would it wouldn't cross your mind, right? Because the only reason I say that is because with the other jobs that I've been in, I know for a fact I was the first, right? Yeah. And so to be in that space and to be able to be bring people um, underneath me that you know that might look like me or might be in a different space outside of um being a white male or white female mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think it's dope and so i count that as a positive um i count it as a positive of me being able to be on the board of the african-american museum which is the only african-american museum in, in iowa. iowa right which is crazy we just had our 30th birthday it's freaking nuts yeah it's funny because i've been uh, i haven't been in a while and i know i need to go so like yeah but it is under reno- renovation right now, so we'll open back up um, supposedly 2024 in February at that time. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for people who don't know where the African American Museum is uh, in Cedar Rapids, uh, the best place, uh, the best way to describe it is look for Chrome Horse. Look for the Chrome Horse Saloon is literally right across the street. Um, but it's getting renovated, as he's saying. So yeah, uh, take a t- take a second to visit the area while it's getting renovated, so you kind of get an idea. A six million yeah. dollar project. Ooh, Jeez. six million. Yeah, but you know what's even doper about that? Like when you talk about me being black and like the positives of that is being on their board. Of course, they were like, "Hey, we want some contractors that are people of color that represent the museum, right? You okay. know, because we want to have some say." And so I knew um, a guy uh, when I had to hit him up to see if he would be able to do it, and they actually picked him up to be able to help out i'm not sure if he's you know still doing it or not but like just small my new things to where i can be able to plug you know some of my people and then to here the and there stuff. right yeah. and vice versa you I, know what i'm saying like for business if somebody comes and asks me a question about something and i don't know it i might send them to my counterpart i mean this is um outside of just race in general but just 
being able to know like, hey, you can be able to help out X, Y, and Z, and I'm be able to push you to here just because I'm of my contacts and people that I know. Yeah, exactly that. I do the uh, same thing for that aspect because it just makes it so that way uh, us as a community grows, and it just makes it so that way you just we, we're seen as good people, mm -hmm. and that's the biggest thing when it comes to uh, being black. Most people don't see us as like you know good people because of what they heard and what they seen and all the other stuff. But we're the people that are changing that aspect because we uh, are first in fields. Right. We are people who are just doing the things to help other people in those communities and more specifically in our community and teach them to do the same thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Which is dope. I mean, which is why I feel um, good at the space I'm at, especially in my job, because they're actually conscious of that. Um, and they are on the progressive side and, of course, want to uh, create change. And that's what we're doing for these other communities is trying to help create change. Um, but you also have to do that internally. Yeah, no right? kidding. Um, as a guy that, you know, they say black people can't be racist, but that's not true. Uh, but it, you, you can have hate to a person that you can't be racist. But don't let that hate drive be a driving factor of why you uh, want to be like, you know, a black person and things like that. Uh, oh, you want to be a black person? Uh, I mean, I do want to be a black person. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Um, I guess that's not, for lack of a better term. <laughs> but no. We got people out here trying to fake it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I got a list. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but basically what I'm trying to say is just take the time out to uh, resolve those negative um feelings that you have towards uh, different races because that's almost exactly what's happening to us. And we don't need all that hate. Right. We right. just need that, like, uh, connection. The The growth of our community starts with the growth of other communities and learning how to love each other, more or less. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, yeah. What gets you out of bed every day? Um, well, first and foremost, my family. Okay. Um, of course, I made some of these career changes uh, to end up where I'm at now for my family to be more there for them, um, and more so, you know, my my two year old daughter Briley, she'll be three next month. Nice, dude. And then I have two step kids, uh, Mariah and Jacob. They're twelve and fourteen. Mariah, she'll be in high school next year, nice. which is crazy. That nice. is nuts. And then, yep, and Jacob, he'll be in eighth grade, and so just be able to. Uh, be at all of their sporting events. And actually, I was just having this conversation at a meeting before I came here. Mm -hmm. I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine, and we were just talking about, like, how you take work-life uh, – some people take work-life balance uh, for granted, you know? And to be able to have that ability to, to be there for your kids and for them to be actually be able to see you being there is truly amazing because I don't know where I would be without both my parents. You know what I mean? And so for – uh, just to, for me to be that father and also, you know, that father figure uh, and helping out others, uh, other kids as well, you know, that mentor or whatnot, um, is something that gets me out of bed. And so anything that you might see me do um, or post, I always try to make sure that it's something, that, something positive, right, or something informative um, or yeah. letting, letting people know about, like, like what I'm doing um, to where if I do have a, a kid that, let's say I might have uh, helped out back home in Waco at the Methodist Children's Home, which that's a facility where um, at-risk kids go um, if their parents could take care of them or if they got in trouble, 
Yeah. Right. And so I I used to work there for a little bit and I follow some of those guys on social media and they, they hit me up about a few things and I will hit them up about a few things. You know what I mean? So it's just stuff like that that gets me out of bed. Um, but just being a more so positive person, um, that I just would want that to exude out of me. And so, you know, like my girlfriend, she always kind of tells me, she tells me, of course, you know, you talk a lot. Um, yeah. but Anthony, like, like, you can make friends anywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, she's like, yeah. like this. And she's more, you know, reserved and all that stuff. But I do it for, <laughs> I do it for uh, the fam, Cynthia, Mariah, Jacob, and Bradley, and also my family back home. Um, I love know. it. I love it a lot. Like, as a guy that does it for his family, too. Dope. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate you actually uh, making a change in the community and just like doing all the things that you're doing right now, man. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks again to my guest, Anthony Betters Jr., for coming on to the show. If you want more of him, you can go and check all the links in the bio. Creative Wild Black is produced and distributed by Mango Mustache Media. You can find more info at mangomustache.com slash black. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to give us a subscribe and a like. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go ahead and give us a five-star review. With that being said, stay innovative, creatives. Peace. Mango Mustache Media.